0: So, we're in a series called Vision, and we're talking about our mission statement. We do this every January. We talk about why are we here as a church? What are we doing as a church? We're at 9851 Bixby Avenue, and uh, we're here to uh, be together as a community. And so, what is it that we want to accomplish? And so, what we've been talking about is our mission statement. And if you look on the handout that you were given on the back, is a... um, Uh, is our mission statement. It's to reach our neighborhood and surrounding uh, communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And so what we've been doing is um, going through each one of those. And so this is a three-week series, and we're on our third week. The first week was reach, the second week was restore, and this week is respond. Um, But before I do that, I want to... um, get past this from repeating itself all the time. If you can take over, Hannah, that'd be great. Um, but uh, we, so Chris was up here leading worship. Uh, this is, well, he it was, he's not here anymore, but uh, Chris Cox, and he leads worship at churches much larger than ours. But uh, this is our new worship leader starting next week, Jason and, uh, and Nora. Yeah. <clears throat> So they will be uh, full-time here leading every week, and then David Galton will be kind of intermixing every month or every six weeks just for fun, and uh, so Jason's very excited. We're excited to have him, and uh, we're excited about where that worship ministry is going. So I just wanted to uh, keep that in in your prayers. So just to review... At Living Spring, we view people in five different circles. Okay, um, the first is the community. These are people who are in our sphere of influence. Now, the way we view church here at Living Spring is not—it's not all about this location. It's all about us as a people. So when I say our community, I don't mean just the community around the church. I mean the, when you go home, that is part of Living Springs community because you who are equipped here and are ready to go are are, are Kingdom people Who have a community of your own Your work is a community Those types of things okay? The second band is the crowd These are people who might make it on campus For one reason or another Or they might get involved in something That Living Spring is doing in one way or the other Sometimes we'll skip church And we'll go out into the community and fix up houses. And in your businesses, maybe someone in the cubicle next to you said, I would like to donate something to that. They've just become, they've just went from the community to the crowd. They've been part of what we're doing. We have a neighbor, our next door neighbor, who is involved in our crowd. She will be working all year long getting ready for Toys for Tots this next year. It's just what she does. She loves it. She's part of our crowd. We want to get her part of our congregation. And one of the things you'll see about these bands is as we get kind of closer down, you, the involvement and the commitment becomes more and more. Someone in our congregation would be someone who attends church here. They would call this their church. Now they might only come Christmas and Easter. It's fine. They're part of our congregation. We, we call them, and, you know, pastors joke around and we call them CEOs. Christ, uh, Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> pastors are really have horrible senses of humor. But um, so, so that might be you you might you might come once every six months or whatever, but you say look this is this is my church, you're part of our congregation, and then there's the committed, and those are people who are here pretty much every week uh you know when you know soccer season starts, maybe they 're gone a little bit more uh, than uh, Others, but that, they're the committed, and then there's the core. Those are the, the, those who are involved in a ministry at a pretty deep level or have just been here so long and been such a part of our DNA, they're just the core of who we are. If if um, all of a sudden I got hit by a train, uh, they would be like, Who cares? You know, Living Springs, my place, and they're still there, which is unfortunately a, a large number of people. Um, and so what we want to do is the reach part of our mission statement is those outer two bands. We truly believe that people need to hear the gospel message, the good news about Jesus. And so we want to share that with them. And, not, and, and we want to, as we're in a sphere of ministry ourselves in our neighborhood or at our work, we want to reach those around us. The second thing we want to do is restore. We don't think just having a come to Jesus moment or whatever is what, the christian life is all about we we believe in this fancy word called sanctification or becoming holy or kind of getting over the stuff that's weighed you down maybe you've been in a you know your whole life you've just kind of been angry or bitter or unforgiveness or you're just kind of depressed or whatever that part of that restoring process we call it restored to a healthy relationship in the son we we want you to do that and then finally we want you to respond And we want you to respond to a move of God's spirit within your life. Now, that might be to, like Lisa said, to start working in our children's ministry, that you respond in that way. Or it might be something totally separate from this location. And the way you're going to respond is to start a Bible study at your work or to go just introduce yourself to a neighbor or whatever. And so in that way all the all the bands are covered and basically we talk about it this way we want to take someone from a first-time visitor to become a fully devoted follower of jesus that's basically what we want to do it's not a it's not a mystery we're really open about it and so that's kind of uh what we do here at living spring it's why we're here i want to talk uh you can read the whole mission statement on your bulletin or, or right there um so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about Respond. Uh, three years ago, I, my, my, well, I'll just give you a little bit of background. My brother is super duper smart. Uh, he got a full ride to UCLA, a full ride to MIT to get his master's, a full ride to MIT to get his PhD. As a matter of fact, they paid him a little stipend to go to MIT to get his PhD there. So he's he's pretty smart, and he robbed the gene pool of all the smart genes. So I was left to rummage around for sarcasm and things like that, which I <laughs> immediately held on to and with my dear life and, and, um, you know, cri- criti- criticalness and stuff. So anyway, so, um, so he goes on and he uh, does unbelievable things. He's vice president of a research company, Bell Labs, and he travels all over the world speaking to different business people, different... He's, he's spoken to before Congress before, and I always joke with him that, you know, you speak in front of all these people while I speak in front of people every week, and they're way better than Congress, so... Um, which isn't saying much. But anyway, we're glad you're here. Um, and so he racks up all these frequent flyer miles. Well, about three years ago, he, he, he had moved to France with his family and he said, hey, I want to fly you and your family out to France because I have all these frequent flyer miles via Continental and I never fly Continental. I fly United and they're just going to expire. So why don't you guys come out to France? And so um, here's a picture of the Eiffel Tower to represent this story. Um, and so... I just didn't want to be that guy. You know, the guy's like, hey, you said you were going to fly me out. You know, I need to get those freaking flyer miles. I mean, we got stuff going. You know, we want to plan. You know, we have lives too. We want to plan our lives. So I just kind of like said, you know what, if he asks again, then I'll know he's serious. And it wasn't just like, he was just being cool. And we're not like on, you know, that movie vacation where I'm the brother that's really annoying. And so, uh, so about two months later, he says, hey, are you coming out to France? Use the frequent flyer miles, Continental. Never use them; going to expire. Want to come out? So I, st- I get home and I start talking to Lisa, and we start thinking, "Hey, why not go to France?" I mean, it's not—we'll never, we'll never get to France until our kids are are dead. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so. We start getting France books and talking to people who've been to France and looking at rail tickets and all this kind of stuff and uh, learning how to say croissant, like croissant, you know, all that kind of. Like we're totally getting into it. We're excited. We're ready to go. We start planning. We 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 go on Continentals thing to see when the flights are going and we start thinking, well, you know, if we're going to be in France, like what other, you know, because there's other countries over there, uh, I guess. And so, um, we. We, we kind of designed this Germany thing, this loop and all this. We're ready to go. I call my brother. Dude, we're ready. These are the dates. He's like, I'll get my secretary to book it. It'll be awesome. So He, he calls me back a couple days later. He's like, oh, man. You'll never guess what happened. Those miles expired. We should have booked it a week ago. This whole process took like six or seven months, but I miss it by a week. And so no francy pants for the written houses. okay? And like, let me, I'll show you what it, look, that's, yeah, there we go. So bye-bye, France. Wait, let's do that one more time just for the, there we go. Yeah, so France is dead to me. The Eiffel Tower should be burned down, all this kind of stuff. But I missed this opportunity to go to France with my family. That picture of the Eiffel Tower is on our fridge and next to it is a picture of me that my wife has written idiot under. Big, cr- no, she didn't do yeah. right. Some of you are like, whoa. No, she didn't do yeah. I miss this opportunity. But here's the thing that I think about when I look at our respond thing. There's another opportunity that hits us all the time that we can choose to miss or choose to accept on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And I want to see if we can get some insights on how not to miss these opportunities. Now, maybe we miss the opportunity to France. Maybe we miss that uh, stock tip that, you know, your friend had that if you'd just gotten in a day before, you would have tripled your money. We might miss those but there's another type of opportunity that I don't, I don't want us to miss. And I want to give you just a little bit of uh, uh, kind of background of what's happening. Jesus' ministry is beginning to become very popular. Okay, he's starting to have some people follow him around. He's starting to, there's a buzz about what's going on. He, um, he's healed people already. He's jammed to different villages and towns and stuff. And so as you can imagine, you know, this, this ministry is beginning to really kind of heat up. And so what Jesus does is with all the people that are around him, he starts calling people to himself. Now, these are more than just the 12 disciples. I don't know if you remember the story of the rich man He said, what do I need to do? And he says, you know, basically he boiled it all down to sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Now, he doesn't ask us all to do that, but... but remember he was, he, he was still telling people hey come follow me come follow me almost like let's, let's take a journey together let's check it out and see what's going on well there were 72 of these people that Jesus had called and he was going to assign them to go out to various villages and towns ahead of him and they were to get in groups of two. So if you, if, you, if you imagine that our number here is, let's just say it's 72, then you guys would all pair up with somebody. And you're looking like, ugh, you know, but I know. And, uh, and you're going to go to a town or a village ahead of Jesus. Oh, here, as a matter of fact, here's what it says. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind because it's really important. Now, let's go back to us again because oftentimes I think we read the Bible and it's kind of fake to us because it's the Bible and it's like, well, those are stories and my dad believed in the Bible and he's weird and all this kind of stuff. But, but what the habit I want to get us into is to read it as though it really happened. And to read it like you would think. Now, now there's contextual stuff and sometimes you have to put yourself in their place and we'll do that a little bit this morning but humans are humans. And so Jesus, all this cool stuff is happening around Jesus, and so where do you want to be? Around Jesus. He's the healer. He's the one that like works on the Pharisees. Psh, psh, you know, kind of does all that kind of stuff. Now he's calling us all together, and he says, get in pairs of two, and I'm going to send you out. Uh, you guys are going to Santa Ana. You guys are going to Westminster. Uh, you guys in the back, you know, we're going to send you to Placentia. I mean, whatever. Pick, pick whatever city around. Cyprus, whatever. And, and I'll I'll catch you when I, when I, I'll be there in a a minute. (laughs) I'll be there in a few days. You go on ahead of me. Well, now, all of a sudden, following Jesus isn't as cool as following Jesus. It's like, wait, now I have to go out ahead of you. What if you don't ever show up, Jesus? Or what if, what do I do when I get there? Well, the cool thing is the next 16 verses are instructions on what you should do. We're not going to go through them all because some of them are really bizarre. Here's the first thing Jesus says as he gets his group together like us and he says, hey guys, um, I'm going to send you out like lambs among wolves. So you're like, right the, okay, lambs. Wait, Jesus, excuse me, wolves among lambs, right? Wolves, no, lambs among wolves. Oh, okay. And then he says this, oh, and don't bring any money. Now, if you're like me, like, my wallet is like my security. Like, if I don't know if you've ever, like, gone out and you're like, do I have my wallet? Like, if, if there's an emergency, at least I know I can charge something. Like, like if those shoes are on sale, you know, no. I, no, but like, if you get stuck or whatever, you think, okay, I've got my wallet. Jesus says, no, 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 don't. You leave your wallets here. Don't worry about that. Matter of fact, I don't want you to take any money at all. Oh. Okay, lambs among wolves, don't take any money. Yeah, and don't greet anyone along the way. Okay, now that's just weird. I mean, you're on a path. You're going one way. They're going the other way. you know. And they're like, hey, how you doing? You're like, oh, oh, man, I don't know, man. Like, don't greet anyone? What, what, what's going on? And he says, when you get into a town, find the house of peace. Oh, is there a house of peace in each town? I don't know. And find the man of peace and say, oh, peace be on you. And if they, if they say it back to you, then uh, your peace will rest on them. But if they don't say it back to you, your peace comes back to you. And again, like, wait, Jesus, how about we all go together with you to each town and village? Jesus says, no. Two of you, each one, go. Oh, and by the way, uh, heal the sick. Uh, Okay, well, we've never really done that before. So if we could have some pixie dust or whatever we're supposed to do if we could get some of that and then he goes into this like it's like he freaks out he's like woe to you Corazon woe to you he starts like professing judgment on some of these cities now you're part of the 72 for me personally I'm a little freaked out I don't think they were like oh that's exactly what I would do and they'd go now here's the thing that I want us to get the ministry of Jesus is ramping up and there is going to be a powerful move of the spirit of God as these groups go out two by two by two but if you're one of the two you're not thinking that so much you want Jesus to go first do cool stuff and then we'll come in at least that's what I want to do Jesus is saying, no, I'm doing it. There's a powerful move of my spirit. I want you to go first with the way that under my circumstances, the way I say it, and then I'll show up. So what happens to these guys and gals? They go out, and here's what they say. The 72 returned with what? What's that word? Joy. Joy. They returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus didn't say anything about demons in the 16 verses uh, in between. He talked about healing the sick. But what happened and what often happens in a move of God's spirit is that when we take that step of obedience, I'm going to go into children's ministry and try it out. Things begin to happen. Like Lisa was mentioning, little kids drop on the ground and start acting like sheep, you know, and for those in the podcast, sorry, you just got freaked out there. Uh, No, I mean, it's that all of a sudden you begin to experience something in your spirit as it aligns with the Spirit of God and you return with joy. And I'll bet you, we don't have time right now, but if I were to grab this microphone and I were to plant it right here and say, hey, we would somebody come up and tell me about a time when they risked something that they felt God calling them to do and they did it? What was it like? And I would imagine, because I've been around Christians for a long time, the overwhelming thing they would talk about is joy. Well, it was scary. <laughs> it was risky. I've, there were times, Jesus also said, look, not only are you lambs among wolves, but when you go into a town and they don't accept you, okay, go stand in the middle of the town and go, hey, I'm shaking the dust off my feet. Blah! You know, to a town. And he's like, and then go. I'm sure that happened. But when they came back, it was joy. Now watch. This is so cool. Because Jesus, I don't know if they all came back at the same time. I don't know if you've ever seen a, 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 a um like a sports team wins something big like the world series and they shake the champagne and they pour it over everyone's head or i don't know if jesus had champagne i don't think he did but anyway but you know it's kind of this idea and now watch what jesus says this is so cool it's gonna you're gonna love this he said i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven now, when you research this particular verse, because it's weird, right? I mean, these are the kind of verses you look up and go, what does he mean by that? I mean, anyone who reads it kind of says, well, first of all, Satan wasn't in heaven at the time. He'd already kind of, you know, the fall had already happened. What, what What's what's he talking about? And some scholars think that Jesus is talking about that fall, that back when the earth was created and Satan rebelled and the demons rebelled and there was this falling away and now angels became demons and all that kind of stuff. Jesus is talking about that. But does that make any sense? Why would Jesus talk about that now? Here they come back. They've got all this joy. They're like, man, we cast out demons whatever. And Jesus is like, yeah, I saw Satan fall. Like, I already saw that. Is that what he's saying? I don't think so because in the context of what he says next, what Jesus is saying is while you were out there doing your stuff, I was watching. And I was watching the impact you were having on the kingdom of God. I was watching Satan with each time you did what you were supposed to do. They had to go into the town and whatever was placed before them, they had to eat. Now, these are people with strict dietary laws, and Jesus is going, oh, yeah, that thing, all the stuff you learned when you were a little kid, just throw that out. If they put some, you know, if they put some bacon in front of you, you just got to eat. it. Well, that's, that's pork. It doesn't matter. It, it, whatever they put in front of you, you, eat. He says it twice. Now, for me personally, I, I ain't eaten whatever someone's put in front of me. I'm going to test it first. I got a little meat thermometer to see if it's at the right temperature. Like, I'm kind of picky when it comes to that stuff. Jesus says, throw all that out. He said, every time you did that, every time you took a spoonful of something that you didn't want to taste and you're like, oh, I don't even know, man, and you put it in and you go, mmm, mmm, mm, mmm, mm, fantastic, mm, you know, take your napkin, mm, mm, yeah, right. Every time you did that, it was a blow to Satan. Every time you took a little step of obedience, it was a blow to Satan. And there were people, as those 72, the two, you know, groups, 36 groups of two went out. They were doing things for the kingdom of God as a movement of God's spirit that was that that just you know how lightning is just like bam, bam, bam. Now to them, they were just trying to force down whatever oatmeal thing it was that was placed in front of them. To Jesus, he says, I was watching. I saw the whole thing. This happens every day at our work. When you go to that cubicle next to you and you go, hey. You talked about your daughter. I've been praying for her. How's that going? Jesus is like, "Mm, I saw coming like lightning. He rejoices. And you say, well, Jesus rejoices. I don't, that doesn't like, Jesus is really spiritual. I saw him. He has blonde hair and blue eyes. And every movie I've seen, Jesus is like very stoic and very solemn. And I saw, you know, he's got a pipe or whatever. I saw Satan fall like light. You know, like whatever. That's not Jesus. But watch what Jesus says. He says... I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. These are not literal snakes and scorpions. Look at the context. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See Jesus' mindset of guys, that's great. But what happened was you took steps of obedience. You responded, as, as a living springer, we would say, you responded to a move of the Spirit. And look how your life is transformed. Now see, here's the thing we get caught up in. We celebrate reach really well. That, 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 the fact that we would, we would share our faith with somebody and they would come to a saving knowledge of God through Christ Jesus. We celebrate that. Someone might raise their hand. They might come forward. They might fill out a flap and we follow up with them. We celebrate that. We celebrate restoration. You know, as people overcome addictions and overcome stuff that's happening and they get, they get more rooted in the Bible and they pray more and kind of get this closer. We celebrate that. Jesus celebrates that but he celebrates responding he celebrates that obedience that step of faith that that thing that you know happens and here's what it looks like Uh, I don't know so I I will drive on the freeway and get off the exit ramp and about 37% of the exit ramps I get off there's somebody with a sign says uh, you know need food you know Vietnam vet you know help my family all this kind of stuff There's many times I can drive by that dude. You can call him me, you know, hard-hearted or whatever. I don't even think about it. Sometimes I'll come off the freeway, and you'll get that thing in your stomach. That that's just sense that you feel like God is saying, "I want you to bless him with something." I don't know how this happens or why it happens or why it doesn't happen with everybody. But I know my thought is, Lord, please let me have a dollar in my wallet and not a ten. Because if I gotta give him a ten, hey, I don't know. That could be two meals for. I mean, a do, you know maybe a couple dollars. And so I, you know, I'm at the thing and I'm flipping through and I'm like, Ugh, two tens, man, it just won't go away. And I'm like, well, Lord, you told me if I don't provide for my own household, I'm worse than an unbeliever. It says in the Bible that you know the Bible you wrote it, you got it. Look it up. It's in there, You know, and and it won't go away. It won't go away. It won't go away. It won't go away. And so finally, I go, you know what? Isn't that a beautiful heart of of gold that I have? Fine! (laughs) I'll obey. You know what happens to me almost every single time? Joy. I'm like, Lord, I don't need that money. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't want any cattle, but you could turn it into cash. That would be good. But you got me covered. I don't need to worry about what the guy spends on. You told, I felt like you told me to give him the money. I'm going to give him the money. And what happens is joy. And the Lord's like, oh, totally. But you know what? You should be really stoked about. We're going to be spending eternity together. Your name's written in the book. Now, let's go backwards. If your name's written in the book, what are you really sacrificing when you respond to his spirit? Nothing Really? You know the end game. You know the score. Now watch what happens to Jesus. This is so cool. I don't want you to miss this. At that time, Jesus, full of what? Joy. Thank you. Wow. Come right back at me. Okay. <laughs> full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father. Now, just a couple things real quick, just a kind of a theological little thing here. We see the Trinity right here, don't we? We have Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit praying to the Father so anyone who wants to tell you they don't believe in the Trinity or whatever this is a tough one to get around okay but that's just a little side note a little extra for your money there at this time Jesus full of joy now why is Jesus full of joy because his people obeyed and he saw the the, the kingdom implications of that he sent them out And they did it, and they came back, and they're like, this is unbelievable. He's like, this is what relationship with me is like, dude. He's full of joy, and watch what he says. He says, "Uh, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and have learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. Now, here's the sad part about this prior to this chapter 10 is chapter 9 and in chapter 9 Jesus has three specific conversations with people that missed out on this joy one person says to Jesus hey Jesus I'll follow you wherever you go let me just go bury my father and Jesus being this kind hearted soft hearted person he says let the dead bury their own dead which, I don't know, Jesus, he could have been a little nicer to the guy. He's burying his father. But he knows what we know now and that, what he, that guy meant was, let me get my inheritance all figured out and then I'll follow you. Once I make this money, once it comes through, once I win the lottery, I'll step out in faith. Jesus said, don't even bring a money belt. You get an inheritance, leave it at home. We're doing something totally different here. Another person says, Okay, I'll follow you. Let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, hey, hey, if you've already set your hand to the plow and you want to turn back around, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's not the kind of person we're looking for. Somebody said to Jesus um, some third thing that I can't remember now. Uh, Oh, yeah, he says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but there's no place... You're gonna lay your head when you're going with me. Now, of those seventy-two that went out, I don't believe those guys made it. I think that one guy went back to bury his father. I think the other guy went to go back and say goodbye. And Jesus had sent out the seventy-two. They came back with joy, experiencing all that stuff. Jesus is like, I saw Satan fall like lightning, and he's full of joy this is my prayer for us as a church and this is why respond is the third part of our mission statement because I don't want us to miss out on anything for whatever reason I missed out on France because I didn't want to be that guy oftentimes I'll miss out on leading someone to Christ because I don't want to be that guy sometimes I'll miss out on certain kingdom things where I know God's telling me to say something or do something. And, and I go, wow. When I used to travel, sometimes I'd come on the flight back. I'd be so tired. That I, I, and I, I mean, I can't believe it, but I'd be like, Lord, please don't let anyone sit next to me. I just, I'm tired. I, just, I don't want to, you know. And then, and, then, and then, you know, someone would sit next to me. I'm like, okay, okay, fine. They sit next to me. Don't make me talk to them. just don't, I don't want to talk to him. Now, listen, that's just my own lameness. And, you know, sure enough, the person will go, hey, what do you do? You know, and I'm like, oh, at that time, I'm an import expert. They start talking, you know, they're going through divorce, whatever. Next thing you know, I'm like, God, can't I just fall asleep in the plane? Sometimes I was disobedient. And Jesus is like, oh, man, I almost saw Satan fall like lightning. We got to get you to respond in a little faster way manner. Now watch what happens. Okay? So he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and alerted, and you've revealed them to little children who will just go out to some town and village before Jesus and start casting out demons and healing the sick. Now watch this. Then he turned to his disciples and said, privately, now all these people here they're all talking about what happened. I'm sure they're sharing stories. Like, I went into this house. You would not believe what I had to eat. Oh, yeah, we, we had to shake the dust off our feet twice. They came after us with pitchforks. Oh, man, but, but then that time with the demon-possessed guy and all that. I mean, this is what happens in an active church, too. I just got an email from someone this week who said, I, I stopped someone from committing suicide. I, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I rescued somebody's life. That is awesome. That's what happens as we respond. But Jesus, in all this group, and they're sharing stories or whatever, takes his disciples, hey, come here, pulls them privately aside. Here's what he says. And blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Now, I believe this particular verse this morning is the verse God has for us. See, so many times I can get caught up in what I see with my natural eyes that I miss what God sees. Jesus says, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. I was thinking to myself as I was going through the scripture, how do I get to be one of the privately ones? <laughs> like, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, like, at uh, first you want to be part of the 72. I mean, you want to be able to jam out there and heal people and do all that. I mean, you want to, you want to have a kingdom impact. But then I started thinking to myself, but then out of that, wouldn't it be cool to be the ones that Jesus is, hey, come here, While they're all celebrating, let's go in the back room, I want to tell you something. I think, I think that's exactly where God wants us to be. I, I think God wants us to be in a place where, where we will take, we will respond to a move of his spirit and we see these things happening and he goes, hey, that's nothing. Now, how did they get there? It's in Matthew chapter 4 all the way back verse 20. Jesus is walking along the shore and he sees Peter and Andrew and he says, hey, Follow me. You know what the Bible says? At once, Peter and Andrew dropped their nets and went and followed Jesus. Now, drop their nets. This is a huge Think about this. It, it, this would be like me saying, Hey, follow me. And at once, you all quit your job. I mean, don't do that. Okay? I'm not asking you to do that. And at once. At, at, at two verses later, Jesus is going along. He does this to James and John, who dropped their nets. It says, Immediately, and leave their father there. He's like, you lazy bums, you know, like whatever. I mean, and in that day, what you did was what do. you do. You don't like go off and become an artist or whatever. If, you're, if your family fishes, you fish. If they have a farm, guess what? You're a farmer. There ain't nothing like there is now. Like, oh, honey, we'll, we'll leverage our house. You go follow your dreams. There's none of that like we have in America today. You, you know, they lived in the house longer. But they were working in the family business and they just give it up. A few chapters later, Jesus sees Matthew, a tax collector, making bank and he says, give it up now. Let's go, follow me. And immediately it says, Matthew left his tax collector's booth and followed Jesus. And that is how you get into the privately group. You get to a point in your life where when you hear feel, sense through wise counsel prayer, you sense the spirit of God saying go you just drop everything and go that is exactly what I want for our church that's what I want for Living Spring, that's why our last one is respond so that we don't just, we would get to a place in our lives where God says hey let's do it as, the, as Chris comes back up, and Chris, thanks for filling in for us this morning. Uh, Chris leads worship at, like, churches whose kindergarten class is, is bigger than our entire church, so appreciate you, you being here. I remember when um, Lisa and I had felt a call to full-time ministry, and... Um, we had, we had, you know, most of you guys know the story, but we had gone to different uh, churches and where the conference, where a free Methodist conference said, hey, we'd like you to m- pastor this church or pastor this church or plant a church or whatever. And each time we said no. And so, um, but... We were trying to be obedient, you know. So, if they said, go check it out, I'd go and I'd preach a couple times or whatever, or lead worship, or try to get a sense of what the congregation was like. And then God would just say no. And so, I just figured my calling was to go to churches and have God say no, which was great because at the same time, I kept getting promoted. And quite frankly, uh, as you go along in your career, the idea of going to full time ministry becomes less and less uh, financially attractive. And so, um, Anyway, I was going to make another pastor joke. Um, and so then one day my cell phone rings and we find ourselves praying in that parking lot right there together. And God, is this it? And he says, yes. And these are the th- I, this is what came through my mind. Oh, no. Not now. Like now is the worst time. Like you can't do it now. I just got a great thing. And now it's... Oh, boy. And we were nervous. And we were talking about it. But there was something inside of us. And it wouldn't let it go. And something that said, You know what? I want to be in that privately group. I, I want to be that guy. We want to be that family. That when he says, Go, drop it, walk in. And that was a... Someday I'll preach a sermon on that conversation with that company. Because uh, that was weird. Um, and you just go, hey, this is it. Let me just tell you. I would never, ever, ever, ever in a thousand years. And I loved my job. And I love business. And I, I still love reading about it and talking about it. And coming up with deals in my head. I'll never go back. Because of what I've seen. And what I've heard. Things that people would kill to see and hear. And this is not just me as a pastor. This is available for everyone.